I want to talk about how the kingdom of God, when we think about the kingdom of God, it actually challenges the way we think. And I have, I've got a number of verses, but the main verse I want, if, if you were to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 3, and then we're going to go from chapter 3, we're going to jump into chapter 4. And I want to use that as, as kind of the anchor for what we're going to share this morning. We're going to have at least one testimony. I'm, I'm um, talking about how God is good and how the kingdom of God affects us. John the Baptist came on the scene. And in Matthew chapter 3, we have the preaching of John the Baptist. And in verse 2, it's, he says, as he's talking to the people, he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And the word repent there is talking about change the way you think. And he's talking to the people and he says, change the way you think because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is here. It's, it's within, it's coming to you. It's near you. It's within your grasp. It's, it's not a far way away. It is near. And we know from reading the account of John the Baptist, he was the forerunner and he prepared the way for Jesus. He's the one that baptized Jesus. And he was talking to the people saying, there's someone coming who's greater than me and I, his shoelaces, I'm not even worthy to tie. And then Jesus comes on the scene. And it says in Matthew chapter 4, after John baptizes him, and then he goes in the wilderness for 40 days at the midway through chapter 4, it says as Jesus came out of the desert and the wilderness, in four, uh, verse 17, it says, and from that time on, Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What I want to do this morning is I want us to think a little bit about how God has touched our lives. Because what that is, is that's the kingdom, the king's way. Whatever the king wants, the king gets. The kingdom of heaven is not a democracy that I can put my vote in and say, hey, next time around, can we do it this way? The king says, no, this is the way. Walk in it. The king doesn't say, let's talk about, oh, that's a good idea, David. You know, I never thought of it like that. You want to get even with that person. You know, I never thought, well, let's, exp no, he says, no, this is the way. And we live in a culture, we live in an era, we live in an age where we empower each other. 
And some of these things, and, and I understand that aspect, but some of these things put us as the center. It makes me the arbiter of what happens and, and that's why we have conflicts, even individual conflicts, because you're invading my space. And the other person says, no, that's my space. And, oh, I don't like the terms you use. I don't like the way you're saying this. And, and we become the arbiter or the judge, the jury, and about everything that's going on. And the king says, that's not the way it is in my kingdom. The kingdom of God is a radical shift from the culture of Canada. The kingdom of God is a radical shift from the culture of our neighbors to the south. The kingdom of God is a radical shift from literally every nation on this earth because the nations of this earth are not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not of this world. The kingdom of God is from heaven and it comes from the heavens above. And as I was studying and going through this, I was impressed with how good he is. We don't have very many monarch systems today. We have a few, but not many. But I do not know of any monarch system today that wants the best for every citizen and will pay everything and do everything for every citizen under that monarchy to excel and to do good. I don't. Because the monarchy is all about what can we get. In fact, when the children of Israel said they wanted a king, God said, listen, uh, to Samuel, you know what? The king, whatever the king wants, the king gets. And that's what they're doing. But the king of the kingdom of God, the king of the kingdom of heaven, he does things radically different. And I find it challenges the way I think. For instance, it says in Romans that the goodness of God leads to repentance. The repentance that you and I experience, the repentance that you and I are able to enjoy is actually because of the goodness of God. I'll throw something at you. There's an aspect of repentance that has nothing to do with you and yet has everything to do with you. It says God grants repentance. I find that amazing. Here is the king saying, I want to make it right, you to be right with me. I'll give you the ability to make that right. I will grant you the tool, the avenue, the vehicle to make it right. And he says it's his repentance. He grants us the ability to change. 
It's not something, it's not something I came up with. Romans 12, it says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And somehow I think we think that's, no, the renewing of my mind is only because of the goodness of God that I can actually change the way I think. It's not because I've ascended now to some spiritual level and I can change. I need God to help me change my thinking. I find it amazing. In his kingdom, he gives me the vehicle, the tool, the catalyst to receive what he has for me. So in other words, I walk into this, and he says, repent. And he says, oh, by the way, I'll grant you repentance. I'll grant you the ability to change. And it's like, he tells me to repent. I don't know how. He says, I will teach you. I will show you. I will grant you that ability. He's good. He doesn't say, do this, and then he leave us alone. No. I've, I've been on jobs where I have to give instructions. I remember, like, I remember when we were renovating the church property and I had a couple young people and I said, hey, I want you to dig a hole over there. And I kind of just said, over there. And I thought I was clear and I thought I had explained myself. It wasn't a huge uh, critical thing, but the young person didn't understand. He came to me and he says, do you, and he, he walked me over there and he says, do you want it right here? Or do you want it right here? Like, and I'm looking at this field going, it, God's not like that. He's not ambiguous. So I want to talk. I want, I, want to ask, I want to highlight the goodness of God that leads to repentance. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The goodness of God is what leads us to repentance. This last month, I was talking to Pastor Daniel. I'm going to ask a couple people to share. I'm going to ask one person to share, and if you, you might have a, a short testimony about God's goodness. So I will start, but I'd like some, because I believe God wants us to know about his goodness so that his goodness will change the way we think so that we will then change the way we think, but not really us changing the way that we think, but him giving us the ability to change the way we think because of what he's done for us. I'm not sure we give him enough credit. I'm not sure we give him enough credit. This last month, two particular instances Pastor Daniel and I have been working on a few projects. He comes up with the project, and then he says, David, you need to do this. <laughs> no, he doesn't. We talk about it, and we're both gluttons for punishment. And, and so one of these properties, we, we, we have a spot on, on Pender Island, and we had this monumental task of putting electrical power, and we were running power down, and it involved digging holes in rock, 
standing telephone poles that were 30 feet tall, five feet in the ground, so 25 feet high, and then getting a cable that was actually a little heavier than we expected up on top of that and getting it tight enough, taunt enough, so that it didn't loop like this, but that it had a, a proper slope. And so we had some of these things in place, but we didn't have every part taken care of. And we showed up to do the project, but we didn't have all the answers, and we were waiting for answers, and I get messages from people, we're not prepared to help you, we're, just, it's, we're not sure our equipment can do what you need it to do, I'm not available, another person I thought was available, and then I talked to him on the Monday morning, and he says, listen, I'm committed elsewhere, and it's like, why didn't you tell me that three days ago when I, you know, and, and so every opportunity or thought that we had to make it happen was like a roadblock. To the point where I'm scouring Facebook and searching online for people who can hang electrical power. We arranged to bring a lift from, the, from here that I don't think would have worked, but it satisfied our curiosity to think that we were doing what we needed to get done. And so we had all that arranged. And somehow, and i be honest with you, I don't know how I came across it, but somehow I came across this, this thread in this group, which I'm a part of, and it said, I need some help putting something on my roof. And a person responded with, hey, contact, and they put the person's name down, and they put their phone number down. Now, I follow some of those things, and I kind of laugh at them regularly because it's like, don't give my name out and my phone number without permission. Like, I need a pastor to take care of this, and somehow I get the phone call. Oh, no, I just, but, but they, and often they only put the person's name down. And I'm thinking, does this person even know that they've been voted for this job? Well, they put the person's phone number down. So I thought, huh, I've no idea who this person is. I don't know if I'm inviting an axe murderer into our property. I have no, like, like all these signs that you'd say, you know, don't do this, don't do this. And I'm like, gleefully doing it. And, and I take the text, the phone number, and I text them, and I say, hey, we're running an electrical line. Is that something you do on, on telephone poles 25 feet up? And five minutes later, I'm not kidding, five minutes later, yeah, that's something I do. It's like, now... They never respond in five minutes. God is good. Check. I can do it. We had no clue how we were going to do it. We were looking at scaffold. We were, I was trying to come up with, is there a way we can somehow scamper up this 25-foot pole? And, and it's like, I, like, how can I do this? Is there a single projectile lift that will just take me straight? I can do it. I said, well, we're in a bind. We'd like to get it done right away. Can you come and pick me up? Hello? Um, I'd be ready in 20 minutes. Check. Not like, oh, let me get back to you. It's going to take a week. I go pick the gentleman up. He's 64 years old, and I'm going, oh, Lord, what have I done? 
He went up and down seven poles and took care of it in five hours. What we could not figure out. God is good. Check, check, check. Come on. We don't give God enough credit for how good he is. That We had no clue. We were desperate. Now, we did what we knew what to do. Sometimes I think we just sit back and do nothing. But we did what we knew what to do. But God comes in and he takes care of those things that maybe you and I just aren't capable of doing. Is God good? You know what that did to me? That changed the way I thought. I had the audacity to believe that maybe God would do something for me because I just was asking him to. Then this week, we get another hairy brain crazy idea. And we think we can do this work of concrete that in my eyes, and we kind of laugh, but Pastor Daniel will look at it and goes, that should only take a couple hours. And I gleefully answer and respond, yeah, it should. It took us a whole week to get ready for it. Four guys, Will, Josh, Justin, and Alan's brother, Bobby, prepping it, digging it out, like what we thought would take 25 minutes. It took them like literally four days. And we're going to pour the concrete. Because I've poured a small batch of concrete before. I know it sets, it gets hard. You gotta... So we're preparing to do this, and somebody comes to our place on Thursday, and he says, so who's pouring it? You know, when somebody who knows what's going on asks you who's doing it, and you kind of go, like, you know they're going to look at and go, are you crazy? Do you realize what you're doing? And we said, we're doing it. And he looks at it and he goes, I know a guy. <laughs> we contact the guy Thursday morning. Seven phone calls later, he's prepared to come Friday afternoon. And by the way, concrete guys are telling me it's going to take you at least a week and a half to two weeks to get concrete. I contacted the guy Tuesday morning. We got concrete Friday afternoon. The guy came, and in five hours, they had placed the concrete and finished it, and we sat down, and it was hilarious because one of the concrete guys looking, and there's about seven of us sitting on our front yard looking at three guys pouring concrete. And the guy looks and goes, is this a watch party? And it's like, you better believe it because we're watching the goodness of God at work. Do you know what that does? It changes the way you think. Don't ask me to do your concrete work, but I know a guy. But it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. Now, sometimes we think repentance is confessing our sins. It is. There's an aspect of repentance that is recognizing the state and the lowliness or the weariness of sin and the burden it is. But one of the other definitions, and the first definition, is to change the way you think. 
And today, my challenge for you is to cause you to think about how God is good so that he will change the way you think so the next time you won't do all those other things, but you'll start with God is good. And because he's good, I'm going to do my part. I'm not saying we sit back on a lazy chair and nap all day. We still do our part. We have responsibility. But when it gets past you and me, and it got past Pastor Daniel and myself like pretty much as soon as it came out of our mouth, it got past us, but he still came and took care of us. And I cannot tell you how happy I am because he's so good. My fingers look good. They're not scarred up with concrete nest. I didn't have to scamper. We set up scaffold. And, and we're thinking, you know, and I came up with this great idea. If the pole's there, we'll put the scaffold, like, in the middle, and the pole be in the middle. That way, if the scaffold falls, it's going to hit the pole. Because I know there's people who are going to say, are you safe? Well... I go down the hill, I come back up. Pastor Daniel's got one set of scaffold up and it's like twilted like that. And I'm looking at it and go, okay, let's put another one on. And he goes, I don't think we're going to get another one on. And it's like, but that's 10 feet. Another one. And another one. And we didn't know if we'd be high enough. And it's like, it's already leaning like that. It would be like the leaning tower of Pisa times 12. But God is good. And he rescued two crazy boys and said, I have a solution. Come on. Have you ever put yourself in a pickle? And has God ever rescued you? You know what that is? That's the goodness of God leading you to change the way you think so that you start to recognize that God is a good God. Now, there's somebody else that has a testimony of the goodness of God that's like 25 years in the making. So I've asked him, I chatted with Adrian. So Adrian, would you like to come up here? Because I think this, this is a phenomenal phenomenal testimony of God's goodness and I want you to hear it so that you can cheer and thank God for how good he is now I'm concerned because Adrian when he grabs a mic he's gone you got to come up here Justin's got to get you uh, okay here no use this one yeah okay um so, for all of you who don't know me, um, I raced motorcycles for many, many, many years. Um, and um, back in 2000, uh, Charlene and I had just been recently married, had Kirsten. And so, you know, like every young couple, you know, we had our ups and downs in the beginning. And so, you know, we were going through a bit of financial hardship. And so, um, I made the determination that, to sell one of my race bikes for my family. 
And um, uh, no, I was not saved. Uh, Charlene had been bugging me to go to church, and I think I went one time to on Salton, and it was just I was so weirded out, like the Holy Spirit was flying, and you know, and I just like oh, I don't know anything about this, and I I didn't come back for a few years because I was so you know <laughs> afraid of God, <laughs> you know. But anyway, um, so no, I was not saved. Um, and my dad had passed away that same year. So the race bike um, that I did, just decided to sell had a real special significance to me because um, in, in, in bike racing, like you, you have to hop up the engine and, you know, did you got to be competitive with everybody else and stuff. So you get, you know, special suspension put on it and special you know, uh, engine, as they call it, porting, and, you know, different things like that. So my dad did all that kind of stuff. He's a, a machinist, a fabricator, and, you know, kind of a hop-up kind of guy and stuff. So my dad did all this kind of work to the bike, and so, you know, it had a fairly, you know, big significance to me. But, you know, life goes on, and my dad passed away, and my dad and I, you know, we were, be like, kind of best friends, and so the fun of bike racing wasn't there anymore. And um, so, and then with Charlene and I being recently married and having some financial troubles, I just said, you know what, I'm going to sell it. And I remember Charlene saying, are you sure this is what you want to do? And no, but, <laughs> you know, I have to, right? And so I did it. I sold it. And the, the instant I threw it in the, helped the guy load it in the back of the truck, and I remember I, like, I instantly regretted it. I instantly regret it, and I'm just like, well, maybe one day, you know, I'll see this bike back again. And um, so, you know, life goes on. We've had more kids. We had married, family, you know, all that stuff working. And then, which leads us up to January. January, for, well, back in December, I had made a determination. So kind of put that story on pause for one second because um, it leads into what I'm going to say now. Um, so back in December, I, I had made a determination. I said, you know, I, I, my, my relationship with God is there, but I just feel kind of blah, you know. But am I reading my Bible? Well, no, not every day. Am I spending time praying? Well, no, not every day. Am I, you know, am I talking to him? No, not every day, you know. So I made a determination. I said, every day, I'm going to, Dedicate myself some time every day. I'm going to spend 15 minutes, half an hour, whatever it is. I'm going January 1st. That was my New Year's resolution was that January 1st, I was going to do that. And I'm going to read. I found uh, like a chronological Bible app. So I'm going to read the Bible chronologically. And so, you know, I made the commitment every day I'm going to do this. Well, January 1st comes up. I'm sick. January 2nd comes up, I'm sick. So I didn't even start reading my Bible. The first two days that I determined, I'm like, dang it. You know, like, so, so I'm just like, okay, reset. You know, January 3rd. So boom, on January 3rd, I started. And whatever, 187 days later, um, I have not missed a day. And I have dedicated myself to that, to seeking God. And, but it's funny because I've, feel the change and it's not like I'm doing anything special I'm not saying magic you know special words or anything but 
I just I feel the change within me just because I'm seeking God and the one scripture and I was telling you know uh, seeking God you know uh, I can't remember what what scripture I used but um, just being ple- pleasing being all I want to do is be pleasing in God's sight and He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him so that now comes back to the motorcycle. So I, I, I don't, it's not like every single, I, every day, okay, every day I, I, I think about bike racing and I think about my past racing, and it's, but not to the point where, you know, I want to relive my glory days, right? But it's just, you know, it's part of who I am. It's part of my identity, you know, part of what makes me happy, right? Other people's hockey, well, me, it's motocross. Um, but anyway, so in April, I think I said April or so, I'm driving in Langley. I, I, I drive for a living, and I'm driving in Langley, and I'm sitting at a traffic light, and so I'm going one direction, another fellow's going the other direction with a pickup truck, and I see a dirt bike in the back of his truck, and I'm looking at it, go, man, that looks like my old race bike. And so the light goes green, and I'm going this way. He's, and I look, and I'm like, holy smokes. Like, I literally freaked out. I'm like, that's my old bike. And, like, Pastor Dave was saying, you knew? And I said, oh, yeah. Like, I instantaneously knew that that was my bike. I get home from work, and I tell Charlene all about it, you know, and stuff. I'm like, and all of a sudden, that kind of that fire kindled, rekindled back in me, thinking about that old bike. I'm like, man, you know, that sure would be neat to get that old bike back, you know? and stuff. It's been such a long time, you know, and so, you know, I tell Charlene and, you know, and stuff about it, and you forget about it. Life goes on, and so I like scouring, like, the marketplace on Facebook uh, for, you know, used dirt bikes and stuff, and all of a sudden, that bike's on marketplace, and I'm just, I literally freaked out. Like, you can ask Charlene, I was like this little kid, like, I gotta have it, gotta have it, gotta have it, you know, and, but I didn't have the finances to go buy it or any, you know, or anything. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, I was talking to Charlene. I said, yeah, we can't do it right now. And I'm like, okay, you know, all right, you know, kind of sad. And, well, no, a lot more than just kind of sad. <laughs> Devastated more like. But, yeah, there were tears. There, there, there were literal tears. Um, and then all of a sudden a couple days later, or I texted the guy, or I messaged the guy. And, like, there was no response from him. Like, well, that's kind of odd. You know, he saw my message, because on, on there you can tell when, you know, when the other person sees the message or not. He saw my message, but he didn't respond. I'm like, okay, you know, and then all of a sudden the ad disappears. Well, I was devastated, like, big-time devastated. And I'm like, well, I guess it's not meant to be. You know, I guess God had a different plan. You know, I, I really thought, you know, that... You know, that maybe God might, you know, hear my prayer. And, you know, because I've been praying for the bike, you know, this whole time that I saw it. I've been praying and praying and praying, you know, please, Lord, let me have it. Please, 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 you know. And then, so, it's gone. I'm like, well, what do I do now? It's gone, you know. So, I just kept hoping that I'll go back on Marketplace and I'll look every single day. And maybe the guy will put it back up for sale or, you know. Or I just guess I have to move on, you know. But anyway, so then Father's Day comes, and 
my family behind my back went and bought the bike. I, like I told Charlene all about it, obviously. So my boys, Brandon and Kyle, they went and bought the bike with the help of Kirsten and the boys. So I couldn't do it on my own. But my kids saw and valued me to the point where, and God, he knew that this was something that really meant something to me. And because I re I'd been diligently seeking him, he rewarded me with the desire of my heart. Right? And as I was telling Pastor, it's not like I'm doing it because I want to get something, but it's just a byproduct of it. So it becomes almost addicting because all you want to do is please God, but it's not because you want to receive, but just because of the goodness that he has for me. Right? So, I, you know, like that's the, my story, right? But I mean, it's, it's an incredible story, not because... Like, and I, like, I don't care if I sit on that bike one day. It's, it, I have, God rewarded me because he knew that I really valued that. And it's not become my idol, but it's something that I cherish. But God cherishes me more. Right? Awesome. Yeah, have you ever seen Adrian excited? And I mean, I saw the picture. The bike was in the family room. Like, they didn't just have it outside and say, come on, Dad. They had it in the house. It's the goodness of God that leads us to change the way we think. Just think right now. We don't have time. But can you wave your hand if there's been a moment as you look back, or maybe even know it already, where you can say, huh, that was God, and he was good. Okay? And what I'd like you to do is think about that and realize it's the goodness of God that changes the way we think. It's not some masterful person saying this is how you change the way you think. It's spending time thinking about God doing life, doing, now listen, do what you know to do. The Bible is not against not doing. It's, it says, do whatever you do is unto the Lord. Do everything you can within your ability. But it's the goodness of God. You're going to go home and you're going to talk to your husband or your wife or your friend and you go, it's the goodness of God that changes. Okay, can everybody do this? Come on, it changes the way you think. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Change the way you think. Because God wants to impose his ways 
his thoughts, his plan, because it's there for you, and it's a whole lot better than you could ever manufacture yourself. This morning, I'm so thankful for his goodness. And I'm so thankful for your testimony, Adrian. Can you imagine the videotape in Holland or the CD in Holland or the heavenly video, whatever they, of Adrian experiencing God's goodness and going, ah, that's my child. Can you imagine how much fun heaven had at Daniel's and my expense? <laughs> Come on. Sometimes we do crazy things and God still does the good thing. So if you're thankful and if you could say, God, you're good, and I want to think about your goodness. In fact, it says in the Bible, whatsoever things are good, think on these. What's that? That's changing the way we think. Instead of saying, we're never going to get this done. Think, no, we're going to do everything we can. And we're going to push it hard. And what happens? God comes and he helps. He might give you strength to do it. He might give you finances to do it. He might give you a guy who knows how to do it because you don't have a clue how to do it to do it. But he is a good, good father. And when it says that he came and he preached the good news of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom, the kingdom is good news. So this morning, my challenge if you walk away with one thought, is it's the goodness of God that leads me to change the way I think. And I'm so thankful for that. Amen? Hallelujah. Can you stand? You'll be really excited to know that I'm at the end of my sermon. I want to pray a blessing over you. I want to put the thought, the weight, the person of Jesus Christ and everything he's done, I want to mark you with that. So if you'd like to have his goodness and his blessing, just I'm going to ask you just to open your hands in a posture, in a physical posture to receive. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and give you grace. The Lord lift his face upon you and give you peace. Amen. God bless you. Have an amazing week.